I'm Mouse Del Sordo, and we are at another Zoom cast. But so I have Maurice Scott, and he's with me in the new studio of the Rowers Choice Network. Now, I had to Google Maurice Scott, and up pops a picture of him rowing the Potomac, the same body of water that I rode on for the last 10 years. And I noticed that this guy comes on the show with a Potomac uh, star on his chest. I'm excited for this podcast. Now, I got Maurice is has been rowing for quite some time, but we're going to learn about his story. Uh, about how he got into our sport, how he's blossomed as a rower and where he's taken his career. And we're gonna touch on a topic of how do we get inner city kids, athletes, masters of all levels to come down to the water and row with us uh, rowers here in either Baltimore or other major cities like Philadelphia uh, or Chicago. So Maurice, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this one. Me too, man, me too. Now listen, I start every podcast the same. We go from stroke one to today, all right? And I wanna know the story. And I think everybody else listening or watching this, they're, they love to hear this kind of stuff. So walk me through when you took your first stroke, why you took that stroke, and how we are here today in this interview. So pretty much um, back in fifth grade, which was like 2004, 2005, um, I was always like a kid that just enjoyed the water. I just enjoyed being around the water. Um, it was something that attracted me. So anything that had to do with water that the opportunity was there to do, I would do it. Um, I went to, I attended Maritime Academy. Um, it's a middle school and high school um, in Philadelphia. Um, and the school was actually focused on water and marine biology. Um, anything to do with water, that was their focus. Can I, can uh, I interrupt you really quick? Okay, so we're from the same area. I grew up in South Jersey, and I've learned to not say water. I've learned to say water, and I love that you are saying water, man. I have I have highlighted in my notes. You are a water guy, so great, man. I love it. I appreciate it. Keep going. Got to stay to the roots, but <laughs> but yeah. So um, the first, I believe, the first sport that was introduced while I was at Maritime Academy was sailing. Um, Never done that before, uh, but I'll, I love the water. So I was, the, you know, the first one to raise my hand and try that. Um, the next thing was swimming. Um, tried that. Loved that. It wasn't really like a competitive thing. It was more so teaching you how um, to do, so how to sail, how to swim. Yeah. Um, but then that fifth grade, my fifth grade year, uh, Bachelor's Barge Club reached out. Um, to my uh, school, my middle school, to do a two-week learner role program. So I wasn't, of course, I didn't say no to that. I always wanted to, you know, try something new. I knew that, on, I knew Bowhouse Row, you know, it was more so just kind of like an iconic picture. I didn't really know, you know, what it was. Um, but to be invited to, you know, try out a program at Bachelor's Bars Club for two weeks to try out what they're doing on the water, which, like I said, again, didn't know what it was. It was more so just an iconic picture that you drive by on Kelly Drive. So let me, let me ask you that. That's a really great point. So it's interesting. There are, there are boathouses all over major cities and people drive by, they have no idea what it is. Right? But then the moment you step into that boathouse and the moment you step into that environment, can you think back to when you first walked into that boathouse and what sort of feelings or emotions went through you? Because you're going from driving by 276 every day, right? And seeing that boathouse row and not knowing what it is to then walking in there. 
I mean, that's life changing for some people. Can you can you remember that moment? Honestly, I, I just remember walking in. It was kind of like a uh, like it, it's so hard to explain the smell of like boat houses, especially being in the boat bay. It's like I guess it's it's almost like a a breath of fresh air. I should say like it was like the boat bay doors were open and, you know, it was a perspective that I've never seen before. Like I've always seen it from the outside, but I never saw it facing the water. Like I never saw the, from inside the boat, the boat house and to be able to see the city skyline. It was, almost, it was, it was breathtaking um, to say the least and to see these massive boats um, in the boat bay and just a ton of questions that are going through my head like what kind of boat is this like when do I get to sit in one of these like when like how do people row how like when when do I get to start I was very very eager um to learn especially like I said seeing it on the water and on the news all the time they're like hey Kelly Drive is shut down um Lincoln Drive shut down, blah, 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 because, you know, these races, these massive races are going on. And of course, like I said before, didn't know what it was, but always knew that when there was a race, the half the city was shut down because these right. massive boat trailers and everything were coming in. But to reel it back to, you know, what you're asking about the, the feeling, I, I was just very, very, very eager to start. Um, and it was just an amazing sight to see. Um, because I, I've never been introduced like this was the first time that I've seen this sport and like the from where it starts, you know, getting the boats out and then where it also finishes, bringing the boats back in. It was just something. Um, you know, you're, you're a Potomac guy. Um, how about when you get on the Potomac Star Dock and you walk over and you look to your left and you see the Kennedy Center, the bridge, and you see the the monument in the background? I mean, you, you, you brought up a really good point that unless you walk through those doors down to the dock and you get that perspective of seeing the city from another angle, you really don't appreciate the sport. And it was me. I remember my moment when I saw Potomac for the first time. I rode by it every day at GW. Um, and then my first walk in the Potomac was in 2010. And I knew immediately that I had to be there for the rest of my life. And that might be a way to get other athletes from around the world or other students, like maybe the thing is do boathouse row tours and just come in and maybe you get two or three kids really engaged in rowing because they get the same perspective that you had. It, you're right. It is a breath of fresh air that the old wood, the, the water, the, 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 I'm saying water almost. It's like, I'm, I got a, I got a partner in crime here. This is funny. You walk <laughs> to the water, right. And you're like, you smell that air. It's different air than it is on the highway or somebody else, somewhere else. So like, I love the way you describe that. Now, all right, so you, you, you do this learn to row, and you're a young kid. What happens next? And pretty much it, like, I didn't really, like, as, being in fifth grade, um, you know, certain, like, I guess a lot of the issues that we see now today, as you get older, you start to see things um, through a different perspective. But as a kid, you know, I'm not really, I do know that, notice that, you know, it's a bunch of older people mm -hmm. um, at that time. Um, particularly white males and females. Um, I didn't really see anybody of color on the water. Um, and the, the camp that I went to, it was maybe uh, like two, two more people of color that joined me. But uh, honestly, like just being 
like I said, at fifth grade, that wasn't one of the first things I noticed. I, the, well, the first thing I noticed was the boats. Um, and I guess now my focus was, you know, just getting getting into that boat. So it was it like the being being able to, you know, go down there. First off, I had baggy shorts on, which was, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> probably the, that, the worst thing you could do getting into a boat. But of course, I didn't know that. Um, second thing, I had a pair of Jordans on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yes. you know, padded leather. You know, I'm surprised my, my, my dad didn't kill me for wearing those because if he knew the type of stuff that we got to, you know, get and all the equipment we're moving and the screws and everything that's popping up out of nowhere, probably would have chose a different pair of shoes, but I also love my Jordans. So um, I wore those and, you know, I had a baggy t-shirt on. So of course, from, you know, from the jump, I didn't look like a rower, um, of course, but you know, nonetheless, I was, you know, so excited to even just get hands on the boat. Um, was it, was it hard for you? So was it hard, was it hard for you to be a man of color and be around a bunch of old white men and women? Like, was that, was that like, how did you feel or how did you connect to, to that sport right away? Like, was, was there a gap? Now there, like for, for the two week program, it was more so, I think my excitement of just being around the water and being around the boats kind of like, I almost had like tunnel vision. Like most of what I saw was just the boats alone. And like I said, at fifth grade, you know, I wasn't aware to, um, you know, rowing being an elitist sport. I wasn't, that, that wasn't something that, you know, I knew about. I just knew that, you know, I had the opportunity to, you know, hop in the boat. And that was the only thing that I knew. Now you, you know, fast forward a couple years after the two weeks learning row, because I, after that point, there was no other opportunity for me. There wasn't right. nothing that came, right. There was nothing that came out of that. Um, I just thought, hey, I got invited to do this two weeks and oh, that's it. That's all I can do. Um, so after, you know, after that, I kind of settled into, you know, different sports that was offered by my school, um, basketball, football, baseball, soccer, um, volleyball, just all those, you know, all those traditional sports, as they will call it, um, within my school. But you fast forward to 2010, five years, uh, five years later, 2010, 2011, that's when the ball started ro rolling. Philadelphia City Rowing came to my high school, which was Parkway Center City, um, and offered, hey, we're starting a public school rowing team for anybody in the school district of Philadelphia to join. Um, and at that point, I knew, I, re I remember how I felt, you know, back in fifth grade and when I tried to do that uh, learner row program. And because this was also offered free of charge, it wasn't a, um, a financial burden on my parents. Uh, I was able to, you know, hop in right away, signed up, was one of the first to sign up for that. I mean, that was the first year that they've actually started. Um, so that was, you know, pretty cool to be, you know, the first eight, first men's eight for Philadelphia City Rowing. Um, and, you know, from there, that's when it took off. Um, and we, like I said, the, the ball started rolling and I started rowing competitively um, against other private schools. How did you guys do that first year or two? So that first, so that yes, that first that first year, um, we went to Philadelphia City champion, uh, Philadelphia City Championships and won. 
um, for the novice eight for our first year. So that was hold on. hold on. You won your first year. Yeah. You took goal and Phil. I mean, I think you know how important Philadelphia city championships are to our sport. Like it's a big deal, man, that you yeah, won. It, that, that honestly, it, because we, now we like, we worked hard. Now at this point, I am aware of, you know, the, the diversity, um, quote unquote diversity within the sport. So that at that point, and also the socioeconomic um, within the sport as well, with the private schools, you know, St. Joe's prep, Mount Vernon prep, um, Bonner, which was a school back back when I was rowing. Um, a lot of these big house, big house schools for rowing, we, you know, we realized, you know, that none of them or that I saw had any people of color. We were literally the only boat um, that, you know, was half white, half black. Like literally it was four black guys, four white guys. Wow. So it, it was, we were, we were the, literally the only boat on the water that I can remember that had that. So it was almost like we, we, we had something to prove. You know, we would go into locker rooms and like, hey, listen, just because St. Joe's Prep, these guys, you know, are wrong all four years straight. We have guys, you know, in my boat that th it's everybody's first year. We've never had this before. So just because, you know, they have that doesn't mean, you know, we're out the picture yet. Um, we just got to work. We just got to work harder. Yeah, the, the, the skin color means absolutely nothing when you're both new to the sport, right? If you're both new to the sport and you're both walking into the same thing, it just comes down to who's the better athlete, who's the better, who's the one that wants it more. Um, can I know this is a really hard thing to ask because this was like 10, 9, 10 years ago, but when you won that race, you crossed first and you won a medal, and I know that you come to the dock to get your medal at Philadelphia City Championships. Did that victory overpower any other feeling you've had in other sports up to that point? Honestly, I've never won anything, you know, to that degree to see the stands full of people and to have your hard work pretty much showcased at the end in front of all these people at the grandstands. It, it's, a, it's a totally different feeling. And I, and I guess it's almost like, you know, a football stadium to – football or soccer stadium or soccer like the the noise and like you can hear the noise like you can hear the cheers in the background and you know once they put that metal on and then you get the, the big trophy and plaque and everything it's just like we like we really did it we went from not knowing what rowing even was to winning you know winning the the uh championship um for the novice eight the men's novice eight and like Philadelphia City Rowing, the, the, this program just like just started. Like the day I started was the first time that Philadelphia City Rowing has had a practice. So for it to for it to take less than a year for us to get from you know that starting point to city championships, I mean it was like I just knew like like we did it like and we did it as a team. It's the ultimate team sport, and I don't think that I've ever been. Um, on a more closely knit team than, you know, Philadelphia City Rome. Last, it was last year, we had donated Rower's Choice and the, uh, the nonprofit extension, we donated a boat to Philadelphia City Rowing. Um, it was a, a, a Vespoli 4 that we completely refurbished. And it's... I was on the dock when we gave it to them. And there were probably 50 kids that came down to say thank you. And we had the coaches and we had all these people. Croker Oars helped us, donated oars. NK donated a Cox box. 
when we donated that boat, it was a, it looked brand new. We completely refurbished it. The, the excitement from these athletes was incredible. I mean, they seeing that and seeing their faces was, it just made it all worthwhile for us. And I'll, 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 for me, I'll never forget that moment, but there's one moment that I'm like, I'm picturing in my head. Cause I had won some Stotesbury medals. I had, I had done that Philadelphia circuit back from two in the early two thousands. You're right. You pointed something out that I don't think I've ever really, I never really like quantified is the hard work that you put in is showcased at the very end. So when you're racing down that course at, in Philly and you have the stream of people and the grandstands, you could literally feel them screaming as you're rowing, right? You can literally feel the excitement. And then when you get to the dock, because of the way it's pitched up, you're at the bottom of that, of that stand, you're, you're inundated with noise and excitement and admiration. And that right there has just captivated you as a rower. Like you don't ever want to lose that feeling again. And um, you very rarely get that same feeling in any other sport, right? Like you have to win a national football championship to get that kind of excitement, but you get that kind of excitement in a local Philadelphia race. Like that's amazing, right? Right. And that gets, that's what's getting started. So you do these, you do four years or I guess four years at Philadelphia city, right? Or is it so three? Two. So two. two, because I was a junior when I first started. So, okay. so yeah. So it was late, a little, like I said, late to the game, um, my junior year. So I did it for two, um, two years. But after, after that, that year, um, I was, I went to the U S Naval Academy's rowing camp. Um, and was invited to join their their varsity um, their varsity um, lightweights. Uh, so went went there, and that that summer um, was summer twenty summer twenty eleven. Yes, um, I went there, and I believe it was like a week. And pretty much after the camp, you know, I was working my behind off. All these athletes are four year athletes, all of them yeah. from. Like these are these are some big some big lightweights um, and big name lightweights at that time. So you know I'm I'm competing, doing erg testing, racing each other. Like it, it was nonstop competitive from start to finish at their camp. Um, but to be able to you know it, to have somebody that's been there four years and for me to keep up, it was just like I said, that was another empowering moment um, for me um, because I, I can tell you right now amongst that group of you know varsity lightweights i was that i had the least experience like oh, I mean, yeah no that's a that's a guarantee i mean i'm, I'm pretty sure i know that i know that year because i was coaching bishop o'connell at the time mm -hmm. so i know the story of pcr and and i know that that era that you're talking about because uh, i'm i'm a little bit older than you but so what did you do after high school did you row in college did you go did you continue rowing so I was in, so I actually, after the camp, I was recruited by Steve Perry at the time at the Naval Academy to go to the Naval Academy for the lightweight team. Um, so pretty much after my, after I graduated 12th grade year, I went to the Naval Academy prep school. Um, they sent a lot of their recruited athletes there just to get a little bit more of a foundation um, academically to, you know, be prepared for the rigors of the Naval Academy, as well as being a division one athlete. Um, once you take that next step, um, but two weeks, you know, before two, three weeks before graduation, you know, had everything squared away. They medically disqualified me, um, as they called it. 
So, wow. pretty, so pretty much, yeah. So pretty much after, once they initially did that, you know, I went and, you know, spoke to the, there was a, um, a retired Navy um, captain. He was actually in charge of one of the hospitals um, at one of the major ba Naval bases. And, you know, I had him, you know, reevaluate me. Um, and he pretty much, you know, wrote a long letter stating that um, it was a misdiagnosis, you know, allow me to, you know, go join my class and, you know, what I rightfully earned at, from the prep school for, uh, to go to Annapolis. Um, so I did that, wrote, I wrote myself a long letter and sent the pretty much a petition packet um, to the Naval Academy. But unfortunately there were some people that did want me, but somebody higher didn't. So at that point I graduated from the uh, prep school, but I was only, one of the two that, you know, graduated, but didn't move further. Wow. Um, so I ended up going back home, didn't know what to do um, because this was late in the game. Um, I found out about this probably middle of May. So, you know, college, college admissions are already starting to roll. People already apply for colleges that they're going to attend in August. So, you know, I was pretty much stuck um, trying to figure out what I was going to do. You know, community college was going to be a thing with other local colleges in Philadelphia um, I was going to attend. But one of my, uh, I attended a, um, a church, you know, Tabernacle Baptist Church in Philadelphia. Um, and they have a close relationship with Arcadia University. So one of, you know, somehow it, things work in mysterious ways one of my neighbors at the time met with somebody from that works is pretty high up in admissions um, and diversity within at Arcadia University. And, you know, to make that long story short, I was able um, with, you know, my background and everything in my academics, I was able to secure a full scholarship at Arcadia University. So, you know, I off the skin of my teeth and it like from, like I said, from, it, it was a race to the finish because I had to get a bunch of stuff done before you know that start date um, in August. So I did I attended Arcadia. Um, pretty much, you know, I, I volunteered with Philadelphia City Rowing and you know teaching um, novices how to row and during the summer camps and everything. But I kind of gave up rowing um, because I, you know, I worked so hard, you know, with you know the Naval Academy and just being able to you know get recruited to that school just after a year it was like it, you know, it, it hurt me a lot. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't really a, a good time for me for, you know, within those two years, but I kind of, you know, had a realization that nobody's going to, like nobody's pretty much going to baby me. Nobody's going to get me to where I want to be. I have to do that myself. And so that second, that second year, um, my sophomore year, uh, at Arcadia University, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, getting back into it, uh, sending scores, sending video footage um, of me rowing and everything to, you know, across, across the country. Um, so I ended up doing that. And, you know, I got re-recruited by a couple, um, a couple schools uh, in the country again. But then I was like, you know what, I, I kind of wanted to, to take a step further. Uh, so I started doing some research and I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to do this thing overseas. I want to, I want to just, just go and just go somewhere new and just, you know, kind of like just take over and show like that I have something to prove. So 
there was opportunities for me, you know, to go pretty much any country that I wanted to go to um, on a full scholarship. And I was like, you know what? I want to go to the farthest place I can go. So that destination was Sydney, Australia. Um, so I, uh, I ended up my junior year leaving, um, leaving stateside to go to uh, the University of New South Wales um, in Sydney, Australia and compete with their rowing team. Um, I was the first African-American to ever row for their university program. Um, I raced um, at the university games, the Australia University games with them in the men's eight. Um, new, raced numerous, numerous times with them, won a lot of stuff, you know, over there. And just that, like, just just went, just went off. That's how I would just say, I just, you know, I thought about, and every, every time I practice, I thought about what happened to me, you know, at Navy. And I'm just like, you know what, I'm really going to prove that, you know, it was their loss, not mine. And like I said, I've, I've racked up over, I've racked up over 10, 10 wins out of like 10 wins. And I want to say like 15 podium finishes out of like 21 races. So I, I just, like I said, I, it was just one of those things where I just had something to prove. Um, yeah, so I guess I, I, your, your, your story is ridiculous. Like I, I'm, I'm, I can't even follow what you're doing right now. You just, you know, you, you're, the, 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 the word that comes to mind is perseverance. Um, and there is a bit of anger, right? In, in, in what happened to you at Navy, you're like, I don't want that to happen again. Um, but you know, you're a guy that saw rowing in fifth grade. You liked it. You jump into a boat junior year and less than three years later, you're flying to Australia and you're the first African-American competing for the school. This is insane, man. This is an insane story. Like, I, I'm, I'm literally on the edge of my seat right now. So you win these medals, you do this really well. I have a million questions that we probably won't get to here today, but what <laughs> happens after New South Wales? Like what happens once you graduate from, from that program? So after, after, um, after I came back, I ended up, so I stayed, I stayed for, for a year um, at that program, came back home. Um, one of the big reasons, cause they didn't have my major. So I had to finish back stateside. Um, so once I came home, what I wanted to do was just, I wanted to keep this ball rolling um, and keep this momentum going. So I ended up joining Undyne Barge Club on Bowhouse Row, Bowhouse 13, um, the castle looking one, as people like to call it. Um, and I also joined my school, Arcadia's um, cross country team. So in the mornings, I was training with, you know, Undyne's competitive team. And in the afternoons, I was training uh, with the cross country team for the university. So I wanted to, you know, do both just to, you know, upstart, um, my, my, uh, pretty much my endurance, my, just my physical nature. Um, because I knew during, once I graduated, I wanted to, you know, compete at a club nationals that year. So I was doing that all the way up. I got injured in around December, um, just I strained strained um, a ligament in my knee, so I had to take you know like a month or two off. But once I was back, I was in full swing of things again. Um, and then I competed at club nationals for the first time that year, which was in Ohio. Um, and that was another story in and of itself because I didn't know this is the first time um, 
this is the first time that I've ever raced sculling back in, you know, stateside. I did all of the sculling over in Australia. So I'm just like, this is, this is brand new to me. First time I've ever heard of club nationals. Um, so I competed in the, uh, the double, the men's double, as well as the quad. And after, after that, after that race, we, you know, during through the time trial, we placed in 12. So we, you know, barely got in, but during the semifinals, we placed seventh out of like 40 or 50, you know, doubles that was, you know, considered in a race. So that was, you know, pretty cool. Um, and, you know, a lot of guys always, this, this is, you know, this is a funny story that I was thinking a lot of people, you know, they see guys, you know, bigger than them, muscular, you know, toned. And they're like, man, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to beat these guys. I don't know, you know, um, I don't know if this, like, if I'm going to be able to compete, but we had, you know, guys like that um, in the, in those races and particularly the men's double, I remember racing, you know, OKC's high performance center. And, you know, from the start of that 2K to the finish, like we just took off. If you look at pictures with me and my doubles partner and OKC, like these dudes are, you know, huge. But we, like I said, it, it, there, there, was, there was really no competition once, that, once we passed that 1,000 meter mark. Like it was open water from there. Uh, and the same thing, same thing with the, the quad. So like just seeing, being able to compete with these guys and OKC has, you know, a pretty, pretty good program. Um, and I'm just like, you know what, I want to, you know, continue to take this step further and continue to train because it, it seems like there's literally a, an upward um, incline from here. Um, there wasn't, there, there really isn't any way to go backwards. So so now, so, so, so you're, you're, you're doing this racing and stuff. Like, what are you doing now? Are you still competing? So you still training, you still rowing? Like, I think that you're uh, in the police department, right? Like you, you have a career in the police department. Yeah. So that, so that started after, you know, after I graduated, that was another thing that, you know, I wanted to get, you know, become a part of um, my dad's a Philadelphia um, police officer. So that's always, you know, kind of been in my blood, but I was a criminal global security um, slash criminal justice major in college. So I kind of studied the way, um, you know, policing uh, worked in America. And I kind of wanted to use that to get me into, you know, some type of law enforcement agency. Um, I felt as though being, you know, a face, being a particularly a black African-American male within that profession, I kind of wanted to make a difference. Um, doing that. I know a lot of guys growing up in Philadelphia um, and I know a lot of people, you know, that didn't, don't like police officers, but I wanted to, you know, just say, you know what, I'm going to do this and, you know, show that what's being portrayed by the media was being um, with the, the stereotype of a police officer. You know, I want to, you know, go against that. Um, and I want to, you know, help build that, bridge that gap. And I also looked up to my father because he did that in Philadelphia. So I wanted to do that as well. Um, so I started after, you know, club nationals. I was, I went down to uh, DC and joined, um, joined a police agency down there. Um, and from there, that's when, you know, my law enforcement um, career started. Now, as you were saying, it's hard to keep up. I ended up that for after that, being with that agency for some time, um, that door closed, you know, pretty, pretty soon. So I ended up, you know, having to work a couple of different jobs here and there. Um, and then I had an opportunity to move to New York 
to coach Roe New York um, as their Brooklyn Novice coordinator um, for their Brooklyn team. Um, so it's I would like, like, like trying to map it. Honestly, it, it's literally like my like it's it's almost like my life is like it, it's shown me it's shown me different things, but doors have closed in order to bring me back to somewhere else. It's like when I just pick, like when I picture it, it's, it, it's almost like just printing out map quest directions, messing up and then realizing, Oh, this wasn't the way I was supposed to go. And, you know, backtracking almost. So, yeah. You know, so I went, I went thing, the funny thing you just said, you said map quest directions. Some people listening to this don't even know what map quest is, you know, like some <laughs> of the other kids, they have no idea what that is. This is funny. So you did you did Row New York, you, but it's like so. What are you doing on your day to day right now? Like you are in law enforcement in I think Virginia, right? Yeah. yeah. And are do you still row at Potomac? Are you still taking strokes? Yes. So pretty much, I mean, with everything going on, you know, everything's pretty much locked down. But that with that right there, I pretty much my my whole focus is learning to balance being able to be a competitive rower while being, you know, a police officer. I'm working, you know, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So it, it can be really difficult at times um, to, you know, get that motivation and get that energy to, you know, still compete and still train. So at the at this, you know, point in time, you know, I'm working. And then right now with everything shut down, you know, I'm running, doing circuits. Um, but, you know, if everything was open back up, pretty much on my days, on my days off, I would be, rowing um, with Potomac I'm on the water and on the days that I do have to work you know I'll compensate and try to run or do a circuit during um, during the times in between my shifts who, so, are, you with, uh, who are you who are you in a boat with so, so I'm typically I'm, well, I'm with the scholars the uh, open scholars at Potomac um, so typically uh, I wrote like double doubles have been the you know the, the boat of choice it seems like um but we also have a couple of lightweights um on the team as well so i that's you know a big i think that's going to be a big boat that we push you know towards the end of the end of the year um and yeah uh let me, let cool me you, let me ask you this because this I, I know potomac extremely well like it is and I mean, I've been to many events. I've rode in that club every day for years. You have to be one of the only men of color at that boathouse. Does this, you know, you're, you know, you're, 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 I can tell you are an advocate for change. Do you have a hard time being in that club? Like as the only person of color, does it bother you? Does it, does it make it uncomfortable? How can we get more people of color coming to that to, to, to that boathouse? These are questions that just pop up in my head. Right. And you know, I, I, anytime I go there, you know, that's, that's all like, that's always in my mind. I never, I never let it affect me to the point where, you know, I'm, I can't train, but it's always in my mind. And I always try to brainstorm, you know, different, different ways of, you know, getting people into the boathouse. Um, with, with Potomac, I'm not, I'm still, you know, learning the, the way they operate. Um, and I think a perfect example, uh, I wouldn't say perfect, um, but a very good example of, you know, being able to get people into the bullhouse is just pretty, it's, it's just opening the doors, you know, when 
Boathouse Row, Schuylkill Navy, they've started to really, you know, expand and really try to get more people um, of color, inner city um, individuals into the sport um, just by inviting and, you know, doing different types of events that they host to, you know, invite pretty much the city um, to attend. And, you know, I've seen, like, now that I go on Boathouse Row, like, there's going to be a time where I will see somebody of color on the water. And it's, you know, it's empowering um, to see that because before when I first started, there was none. But now when I go back, I'm seeing it's growing and growing and growing. And it's just, like I said, it's just opening the doors, kind of like taking away the, the if you're, you need to be rich um, and white to do the sport. You know, taking away that whole, that whole aspect, that whole, you know, I'm, I'm elite and I'm like this, and I'm above, you know, everybody. Now, don't get me wrong, rowing, rowing, I feel like rowing is a very, you know, it, it is an elite sport, but not the way that it was portrayed before, as in like, if I'm rich and I'm white, that's the elite. No, the, 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 I think people need to realize the sport is elite because of what we have to go through, putting our body through, um, you know, different types of pains and, different being able to push for that that next stroke i've never played a sport i've played a ton of sports that you have to you have to push through there's no timeouts there's no substitutions there's none of that from start to finish you're what Maybe so I turn, well i turned 26 in like two months <laughs> jesus christ okay there's two things that you just said that nobody on this podcast in the four months that I've been doing this have said. Are you ready for this? It's incredibly, it's incredible. One, it's as simple as opening the door. You want people to come and be part of the sport, open the door. That's it. You don't, that, that you just start at the simplest point, right? And everyone is always overthinking the situation. They're overthinking like, oh, you have to be really sensitive and oh, you have to watch what you say. No, you just need to open the door and say, why don't you come on in for a day, see what we have to offer, if you like it, which I can guarantee that you'll get a 10% success rate on that, right? You'll get 10% of the people that come in to want to be a part of it. And the other thing you said was that the sport is elite because of what we do, not how much money we have or our status in the environment or the community. It's elite because we bust our asses to be successful at the sport. And I gotta tell you, man, I've been doing this for 21 years, like almost as long as you've been alive. And I have never narrowed it down to those simple statements. And that's, that is incredible. And, I, and I'm learning a lesson today from Maury Scott, a 26 year old rower. I learned a lesson today. I think that's wonderful, man. Um, but my last question before we close off, because I'm gonna invite you on more podcasts because there's a lot more that we can talk about. But I wanna know, at 26, someone who has traveled the world for rowing, it's changed your life, obviously. What do you say to Maury Scott when he was in fifth grade? What do you say to the young, young boy walking into the boathouse who's a fifth grader? What do you say to him to try to get him part of their sport? I would say, regard, you know, regardless of, because regardless of what, you know, is throwing you away, you know, don't quit. You, you know, deep down inside that, you want this is what you, you know. This is what you want to do. Um, it, you you have to you have to want to do it, regardless of the environment, regardless of the people you see. Um, you have to go after it and show show the world what you're made of. 
let me, let me, let me, let me take you I want you to say, or what I'm looking for you to say, is this sport is going to change your life. That you can keep playing basketball, you can keep playing baseball, you can try those other things, but this sport will give you the admiration and excitement that you've been looking for. It'll give you the elite level feeling that you've been looking for. Because that's the message from all these notes that I've taken. And Maurice, I take a lot of notes when I do this. And I paint a picture, right? And what, what you're telling me is that the sport, when you were in fifth grade and you saw it, it allowed you to change your life forever. Dude, yep. I'm just gonna yep. paint the resume one more time here because it's <laughs> ridiculous. You tried sailing. You tried swimming. Bachelor's Barge, which is one of the most historied, historic, historied boathouses in the in America. It is. You then you then jump in a boat and you win your first championship as a novice with PCR. You then travel to New York. You travel. You get recruited by the Naval Academy. It didn't work out. You persevered. You went to Australia. You win countless medals over there. You place top seven. In the, in the club level of rowing, you get the feeling of, of, of a cheering crowd. You're in the law enforcement and you're training at another elite level. What other sport in, in this world could provide that for you as a young man? You're shaking your head. There's nothing. Nope. Exactly. It's an incredible nope. story. I love, I love what you're saying. And again, you taught me something. And I'm going to take that to the next to the next group of and the next area of my life. So Maurice, man, I really hope you enjoyed doing this with me today. And, and oh, I'm excited yeah. for people to learn your story. And I'm excited for people to maybe learn something. And maybe they're in 10th grade or they're or they're listening and, and they're young coaches and they say, you know what, I want to make this my profession and and, and mm-hmm. take a piece from your your uh, your page, your your book. So Maurice, thank you for being here. I really appreciate your time. I think everyone else is going to appreciate it. Uh, And this is Alex Dosorda, another Rower's Choice Zoomcast. Thanks for watching. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. Rower's Choice is made up of finish line shell repair, Resolute Racing Shells, and Sykes USA.